Hey guys, Bill Barnwell here. Welcome back to another episode of the Bill Barnwell Show. That's me. I'll be joined in a moment by Mike Clay, ESPN's excellent fantasy analyst, to do a PPR Dynasty Rookie Draft. The first 20 picks of a typical Dynasty Rookie Draft. Me and Mike are going to go pick by pick through our thoughts on the rookies in this year's class now that they've been drafted around the NFL. But before we get into all of that, I quickly want to tell you about another ESPN podcast. You may have heard of it before. It is the right time with the wonderful Bamani Jones, hosted by Bamani Jones himself. And it is a deep dive, an insightful look from one of the smartest people in the business talking about all things sports each and every week with some great guests, including our friend Dominique Foxworth, who's on every week. So it's on three times a week. Dominique is on, I believe, on Friday. Uh, he is the third appearance of the week, but you should be downloading and listening to all of the right time with Bomani Jones episodes. So make sure wherever you get your podcasts that you are listening, you're downloading and you're subscribing to the right time with Bomani Jones. And also the ultimate fighter, the reality show that brings top MMA prospects together under one roof to compete for a UFC contract is back. Stream the season premiere on Tuesday, June 1st, only on ESPN plus sign up now at ESPN plus.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8-Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. And now, without further ado, here is Mike Clay to break down the rookie crop in our Dynasty Mock Draft. All right, joining me now, as promised here on the Bill Barnwell Show, Someone who I had on do this very topic last year, and I really enjoyed doing the show. I feel like I learned a lot from doing the show. It helped me in my dynasty league. So I'm cheating and using the platform I have to bring this band back to do a second dynasty rookie draft with me. This is the man who, I, one of the hardest working people at ESPN. I don't know if he is actually the hardest, but he is up there. A man who has already done so much in terms of projections, in terms of getting ready for the 2021 season. Nobody is more informed about what's about to happen than my colleague, Mike Clay. Mike, how are you? I'm doing well. I uh, I like to come on this show just for the introduction. So I'm good now. <laughs> I have my confidence boost for the week. I can sign <laughs> off now and, and I'm good to go. So good. Uh, I appreciate that, Bill. Those are That's high praise, of course, from uh, maybe the best mind in terms of NFL coverage in the NFL. So uh, we're lucky to have you leading our coverage. And uh, so it's fun to come on the pod and, and talk football with you. That's nice of you to say. I love coming on, I love talking to you because I feel like you are someone who you're a kindred spirit. You are looking at this in a similar way, I think, to how I look at things, a smarter way than me. But in terms of the, in terms of the way that you break down stuff, you're looking for historical comps, you're looking for information, for every little piece of insight, every little piece of information you can sort of gather to inform your view of what's going to happen. And you don't always get everything right. I know I get a lot of things wrong, but you know, every year the columns you write, the stuff you put out there is informed by history and it's right more accurate than to me anything else I see out there. So I wanted to have you on 
talk about what I think is a really fascinating crop of rookies. I mean, such an interesting class um, in terms of the wide receiver talent, in terms of the lack of running back depth, in terms of a historically great, possibly tight end. I think there's so much to talk about with these guys. And so what we're going to do today for the benefit of not only me, but also you, the listener, is go through the uh, go through two rounds of a would-be dynasty league rookie draft. So basically a fantasy league for the rookies coming out of the NCAA this year. So this is not going to be a super flex. Uh, we talked about it. I relied on you, Mike. You're the one who made the final decision here in terms of uh, it not being a super flex league which I think, you know, drops down the quarterbacks, obviously quite a bit, but um, still a lot to talk about there. I think with the, uh, with the five quarterbacks who are taken in the first round, we'll certainly get to them as we go on here uh, and a PPR league. So I think there's, yes. you know, it really creates some very interesting questions about value here. And in terms of projected, not just only for 2021, but into the future. Um, so Mike, I mean, you know, in, in terms of, the sort of the broader class as a whole, before we get into the individual players, I mean, you know, is there anything you feel like people are saying about this class or about the fantasy possibilities for this class on the whole that you think is inaccurate? Yeah, I think there's a lot. Well, I think there's a lot of interesting things about it for sure. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, first of all, and, and I should probably get this out of the way first, I, I assume that most people listening are not in super flex. That's why yeah. we're going that direction. If you are, then obviously you're going to upgrade the class of quarterbacks, which we'll mm -hmm. talk about a few of them, but Lawrence is going to probably be the first overall pick in your mm -hmm. draft fields, Wilson, Lance, they'll come up uh, over the next few picks, certainly uh, in the, in the uh, first round. So keep that in mind um, when you're, when, you know, if you're in a super flex, but as for this format, um, you know, there's, there's a couple things. First of all, a lot of unknowns, right? I mean, mm -hmm. some of these players did not play a single snap. Some of them only yeah. played in three or four games last season because of COVID opt out. Some of the, some of the players didn't have a choice. Their team just did not play last <laughs> season. So we haven't seen these guys in a while. We're relying on uh, less information than ever before. Fortunately, we have newer, uh, you know, tracking and analytics that we can utilize. It's mm -hmm. making us all smarter uh, that has helped us make some decisions. It certainly has helped teams make uh, decisions on some of these players. So uh, it's a tough year for sure. It's not a bad year to maybe defer your picks to next year, make trades to get uh, picks in next year's draft. You should always be keeping an eye on your rookie draft as each pick is made, assuming it's a slow draft and constantly working trades and trying to maneuver around and, and maximize your roster. I have two going on right now. Um, with the ones with the ESPN staff, one is with uh, the guys or the, the core of guys from over at Roto World, a lot of former and current guys and mm -hmm. always a competitive rookie draft. One super flex, one's not. And there's always a ton of trades and, and maneuvering. So uh, it's always important to do if you want to uh, win in the long term. Um, but the question really is, Bill, you know, and, and we'll find out since you and I are going to go back to back and forth here. Uh, where does Kyle Pitts go? That is mm -hmm. the big question this year because he is a unicorn, right? We've never yeah. seen this before. A guy that is, you know, can play tight end, can do some blocking, but a guy who's still 20 years old and has an insanely high ceiling as a receiver, you know, in, he may, if he was designated just as a receiver, he might've been the number one receiver on a lot of people's boards mm -hmm. this year, rivaling Jamar Chase. That's how good he is. Uh, he was the earliest tight end drafted uh, in the modern era, or certainly in a long time. And certainly the best pass catching prospect at tight end 
that I would say we've ever seen. So uh, it's really intriguing to see how he's valued and where he goes in your rookie draft. And my first two, Bill, he went first overall in both of them. Mm -hmm. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I know you tweeted about it because, um, you know, even in a super flex league to see Kyle Pitts go number one, where you have a, you know, really Trevor Lawrence is one of the best quarterback prospects I think we've seen in recent memory in terms of, you know, uh, a guy who was really presumed to be a number one pick for two years, uh, you know, after his freshman year at Clemson or his first year at Clemson. So, I mean, it's fascinating because you look at history when it comes to tight end. Actually, let's get to this when we get, we pick Cal Pitts because I want to talk about Cal Pitts and the history of highly drafted tight ends when we get there. But since you're the guest, Mike, since you are so nice to join me on the show today, I have to give you the first pick. So <laughs> I know Cal Pitts went number one in both of your leagues. Are you taking Kyle Pitts with the first overall selection in our rookie draft? Well, I'm, I'm not going to. First okay, of all. there we go. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to do it um, because I think there is a an insanely good prospect in another position, which I'll get to in a second. Now, that being said, let's say you go in and you're loaded at running back and receiver, but you don't have a standout tight end and you know, you're high on Pitts. I don't, I don't think it's a bad decision, right? No. I know tight end is not as important a position, but if Pitts is, if he lives up to expectations or up to his pedigree, you know, for the next decade, you're going to have an insane, an insane edge mm. at tight end. Just think about what Travis Kelsey has done. And, you know, Pitt's, Pitt's prospects suggest maybe he could beat that. And Kelsey's been the top scoring fantasy tight end the past five seasons. So, uh, you know, if you can get a decade of that and look, I, I get it. I, I'm, I'm infamous for looking at downside and keeping people level headed. And you have to consider the fact that he might not pan out. But also, we're talking about a rookie draft here, right? It's not like it's a season-long draft and it's your first pick and you, you can't mess it up. I mean, this is a rookie draft. You're looking for home runs and, and players that could change your franchise for the long term. So I have no major issue with it. But personally, I have Jamar Chase number one here. You know, he mm. again, he's one of them guys that didn't play last season, but he was the fifth overall pick in the draft. And that matters, you know, pedigree does matter. Uh, this is a team that had T Higgins and had Tyler Boyd. They had a good one, two punch, but we you know they love three wide receiver sets. Mm -hmm. Chase is going to be their number one pretty quickly. Maybe it won't be week one or two, but probably like Justin Jefferson last year, by say week three, he's going to take control uh, and be the, the clear superstar talent uh, for, for the Bengals here. And just a little bit of history here. Uh, if you look back since 2009, Mm -hmm. Five of the six wide receivers picked top six in the draft were top 30 fantasy wide receivers as rookies. So you can expect immediate production from Chase. You can expect long-term production. Yes, there's more unknown than ever, but the guy's 20 years old and, you know, just he, he has it all. He has enough size. He has the speed, the hands, the ball tracking, the tackle breaking. The guy can do it all. So I'm, I'm super excited for his prospects. That's what I want with that top pick. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I think even in the short term, I think there are reasons to like Jamar Chase as the first overall pick. I, I know that um, Mike Leone wrote about this and I was reading about the Bengals and why, you know, he thinks their stacks are so exciting for best ball and for, uh, for fantasy owners. It's just that this was a team that with Joe Burrow was playing at a fast pace and was throwing the ball a ton. I mean, Joe Burrow was averaging, I believe, uh, or sorry, they were, they were uh, calling, I believe 47 attempted pass plays per game when Burrow was healthy. So I mean, mm -hmm. this is a team that's going to throw the ball a bunch. And this defense, maybe not all that great. You know, I don't know that this is a dominant defense by any means. So they could be in a lot of shootouts this year. Like you said, they're going to be in a ton of 11 personnel. I think they're going to throw the ball a bunch. You know, mm -hmm. maybe if Joe Mixon's back, they run the ball more than they did a year ago when he wasn't all that healthy. But I, I think that, you know, when they drafted Jamar Chase uh, at five, I think what the Bengals were saying is, you know, Joe Burrow 
we could have gone out and got you uh, Penny Sewell. That would have been a totally fine pick and nobody would have doubted us. But I think Chase is sort of going to be the bailout guy for Burrow when he is pressured. Because I think that's a guy who he trusts to win 50-50 balls where you can throw up lobs, you can throw up fades and throw up isolation routes and trust that Chase is going to come down with the football. So I think he's going to get a lot of contested catch opportunities and and succeed on a good chunk of them. So I I have no issues there. I absolutely think that Jamar Chase is a guy I would take with the first overall pick, even if this were half point PPR. I think mm-hmm. I would still take Jamar Chase first overall. Um, at two, I will go with Najee Harris of the Steelers. Okay. I know best available running back, um, a guy who certainly, you know, solid pedigree coming out of school. Um, the role, the opportunities there, I think it's absolutely fair to have major questions about the Steelers offensive line. And I think that it's a mess and I don't have a lot of ability for them to realistically fix it all that quickly. I mean, they could go out and sign someone like a Russell Okun to play left tackle. I know they have Chuck's quarter for might be filling in over there after playing right tackle last year. Um, I still think they're going to be a pass happy team. I don't think they're going to run the ball, you know, 400 times. I know that was it. Cam Hayward was saying that Najee Harris was going to run the ball 40 times a game. Uh, you know, <laughs> this this year. I mean, great. If that happens, great. I'll feel good about him at two, but I'm expecting uh, a lot less. But I, you know, I, I just feel like it's the the safe pick. It's a guy who clearly has a significant role. Um, wouldn't be shocking if he had something close to a three down role. And those guys don't grow on trees. I mean, there's only so many of those opportunities out there. So I think that uh, you know, um, you can make a case for Pitts here. I would not fault anybody for taking Pitts here, but I went with Harrison too. Yep. Uh, I, I like it. He's second on my board. Um, the drawbacks are, of course, the offensive line, as you pointed out, uh, and uh, age, right? He's a t- two full years older than Jamar Chase. He's yep. uh, two full years and two months older than Javante Williams. Mm-hmm. He's a year older than Travis Etienne, who are the other, that's the big three of running back, uh, Harris, Etienne, and Williams. So those are some of the concerns. But on the other hand, you have a 230-pound back who can handle upward of 20 to 25 carries. Maybe if they're protecting a lead, he'll push mm-hmm. for 25 carries. He's going to get the goal line work at that size. We know that. is almost no competition for touches there with Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland next up on the depth chart. And, and this is the big one. He's somewhat of a unicorn as well because he can catch the ball. You know, this guy had 43 mm-hmm. catches last season. That was one less than at the end. I mean, the guy, you know, if he, if he can be – and, and look, I mean, he the guy is super skilled as a rusher. He can yeah. break tackles. He could do it all. If he turns out to be a bulldozer out there, and I don't want to say Derrick Henry because that's the ceiling, but a guy yeah. that's like that, that can be a, a, a you know a high-end, uh, outstanding, maybe Nick Chubb is a better comp, mm-hmm. right? A, that sort of rusher and catch 50 footballs. I mean, look out. He's going to be a, just a dominant asset in fantasy football. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and when you're drafting a dynasty, you have to keep age in mind. It matters. For sure. But, you know, he this guy's skill set is is very unique. It's just not something that we see a lot of in the pros, a guy that's that big and can also be a, an asset, a, a plus, not just okay, a plus as a pass catcher that matters. So I like the pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, again, make a case for Pitts. I'm not going to argue with you, but I think Harris is the opportunity there. At three, is this where Cal Pitts comes off the board? You know what? Um, this is you can make the case for sure. I think this is where you think a little bit about what your roster looks like when yep. you're deciding here. Uh, however, I'm going to follow my board, and I do not have uh, Pitts third here. Uh, it might be a little controversial, and then again, I'm okay with it. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, league format matters, and and your roster matters. But I do have Jalen Waddle higher here. Wow. I feel like 
you know, I feel like we're not giving enough attention to the fact that there were three wide receivers picked in the top 10 this year, right? That's, uh, I don't, you know, that doesn't happen often. Wide no. receivers in the top 10, I don't think people realize how rare that is. And as I'm talking, I'm trying to, uh, there, there I, I was, have this nugget somewhere. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I mean, a few years ago, it happened with uh, Mike Williams, John Ross, and Amari Cooper. But was that, I know it was Williams and Ross. I think Cooper was third one on that bunch, but it's pretty rare. I mean, it had, not, yes. I don't think it had happened before that in a while. So, I mean, don't yes. let that one example, you know, ward you off from the broader uh, history of those guys because, you know, typically guys taken in the top 10 are, they get taken in the top 10 for a reason. Right. Exactly. And I finally found the nugget here so I can share it with everyone. This is going to be in an article coming up uh, in the next week or two over at ESPN. Plus, but um, you know, if you look back, yeah, the, the past three drafts, no wide receivers picked in the top 10, a total of 11 were picked during the prior 10 drafts leading into this one, 2011 wow. to 20, 11 in the top 10. There were three this year. And if you look at uh, these guys right out of the gate of the 11, only two did not appear in 10 games. It was John Ross and Kevin White. Of course, Kevin White was injured, missed all, uh, the whole season. Ross missed most of it. And six of the other 11 reached 900 receiving yards. They all scored seven or more touchdowns. They were mm-hmm. all top 30 fantasy receivers. I mean, that's not just a Jamar Chase stat. That's a Devonta Smith stat. That's a Jalen Waddle stat, mm-hmm. right? So, um, you know, I'm not saying they can't be the exception. It's unlikely all three will work out right out of the gate. But again, guys drafted in the top 10 are there to be franchise players, not just mm-hmm. good players, not guy, you know, role players, not, you know, not uh, remember, remember, this is a, not a perfect example because he didn't go. I think he went like 15th. Where, where did Odell Beckham go? Right, you remember? Uh, he was right around there. Like he was in was, that vicinity, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, he he was a guy that got knocked down in dynasty rookie drafts because of the competition there, right? Akeem mm-hmm. Nix, I believe, is there and Manningham, maybe Ruben Randall. It was around that time. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he got Steve, the other Steve Smith, you know, he so he was knocked down a few pegs in drafts and he ended up being a major value. If you're good, if you're the cream, you rise to the top, right? We've seen mm-hmm. that time and time again. So, that's kind of how I feel with Waddle and Miami with Devontae Parker there and Will Fuller suspended for a game. He'll be a, a big role player, uh, a, a big part of that offense right away. And Devonta Smith, we know is going to play right away. They don't really have a choice. He's going to yeah. be probably a, a 55, 60 snap player immediately. So, um, you know, I, I think that's important, uh, an important designation. These type guys, just because Chase is better, doesn't mean they're not uh, potential superstars in the NFL. So I'm going to go Waddle here. Uh, it's a long way of saying that. Uh, I just, I have him basically a wash with Devonta Smith. They're the same age. They have different skill sets, but, you know, I just uh, like Waddle's game-breaking speed and ability, uh, playmaking ability a little bit more. So I lean that direction in this Miami offense, and uh, I won't feel great about it if Tua doesn't pan out, but Mm -hmm. uh, the Eagles have wide receiver issues as well, or excuse me, quarterback uh, question marks as well. So um, we will uh, see how it pans out, but I do have a slight lean here toward Waddle have to admit that I had forgotten about Ruben Randall. I don't think I thought about Ruben Randall. Since, uh, since <laughs> I tried to forget about him because I, I was on that bandwagon for a little. And Manningham, too. I liked him, too. And, yeah. Uh, oh, man. They were solid. I mean, you know, they weren't Odell Beckham, but they were they were fine. Um, I also have to issue a correction. I said Amari Cooper was the third wideout with Mike Williams and John Ross. It was actually Corey Davis. Right. right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I think that Jalen Waddle is in a good situation. I'm someone who is pretty optimistic on Tua. I don't think that 2020 discouraged me all that much, you know, for a guy coming off of a serious hip injury. Mm-hmm. And I think the opportunity is going to be there, especially in the years to come, where, you know, if we'll, you know, we'll fill on a one-year deal. Devontae Parker is going to be in the back end of his extension. Don't know if they're going to re-sign Mike Gesicki. Um, you know, that could be a situation where a year from now, 
he is really in a position to get a ton of targets. So I have no issues there. Love Jalen Waddle. Love the opportunity there with the third pick. Um, with four, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to go Kyle Pitts, and I'm going to go – I'm going to say why I did it, and then I'm going to raise the alarm a little bit as to why I might be scared of it. So you brought up uh, Travis Kelsey last year, and I have the stat here. I have to find it. Okay, so on ESPN last year, um, every year ESPN publishes the most common players on fantasy football teams, fantasy football playoff teams. So last year, number one, the guy who appeared most frequently on fantasy football playoff teams was James Robinson, which makes total sense. Mm -hmm. An undrafted guy. If you got him off your waiver wire, you had his starting running back. That's a huge advantage. Uh, That doesn't happen all that often. You find a guy here or there, I guess maybe there's one or two of those guys who pop through every year or two, but getting a guy like that for nothing, for just free agent money or waiver wire priority is incredibly valuable. The number two guy was Travis Kelsey. And, And I think that speaks to just how valuable it is to have a advantage at tight end week after week. And granted, Travis Kelsey had one of the best seasons we've ever seen from a tight end. But I mean, even go a little further down this list, Darren Waller is in the 10 to 12 range. Um, when you filter out the undrafted guys, it's Kelsey one, Kamara two, Devontae Adams three, Dalvin Cook four, Tyreek Hill five, Darren Waller six. So two of the six top rated guys when it came to guys who were drafted uh, by ADP. Um, we're tight ends, uh, tight end one, and I think tight end two with Waller. And I think that tells you just how valuable those superstar tight ends are. They give you a huge advantage and a huge opportunity to get a leg up on the rest of your league. Now, the concern here, everything you brought up about Kyle Pitts earlier, I agree with. I think on paper, in terms of the draft capital, in terms of his film, everything we see says this guy is a absolute superstar in the making. But you go through history, go through the top 10 of tight end. That has been a scary position. Those guys have not typically panned out as superstars. Now, some of them, granted, were playing in a different era. They were playing a different sort of role. You know, uh, no disrespect to Cal Brady. Cal Brady and Cal Pitts might as well be playing a different sport in terms of their skill set and what they're asked to do on the football field. And Cal Brady was the ninth overall pick with the Jets. But even someone like a Ricky Dudley or a TJ Hawkinson or a Kellen Winslow, um, have not been able for different reasons to turn out to be super. So obviously with Hawkinson, still plenty of time, only his second season. And he was good last year. So I don't want to disparage him too much, but um, this can be a position where there is a very high attrition rate. It can be tough to break out. Um, it's tougher to stay healthy. It is tougher to, uh, you know, be a star. Um, but I think the, the opportunity and certainly the opportunity is there for Pitts. I think he's in a great offense, great offensive mind in Arthur Smith. Uh, a excellent quarterback, still a good quarterback at the very least in Matt Ryan. Um, but I think just he has the best chance of doing it that I think we've seen from a tight end in a long time and doing it being becoming an absolute, you know, tight end one to tight end three year in year out kind of player. But Mike, does the history of those guys in the top 10 scare you when it comes to projecting pits in the years to come? Uh, you know, a little bit, but not too much. And I'll tell you why, because none are quite the prospect of Pitts, right? And you, yep. you touched on that. You covered that. I mean, nobody has really been on this level ever. No one's been viewed as this type of prospect, uh, certainly, in you know, in the last couple of decades. So, um, you know, that's why I'm fine with it. That's why I said, if you take him first overall, I'm not going to have a major issue with mm-hmm. it. Uh, the only reason why I don't lean that way is because, 
you know, to your point, it's not a premium position. You only mm-hmm. need one tight end. And if you have a good one, you know, there, there's plenty of other options you could find a tight end, especially as they become, uh, you know, this, this recent group uh, emerges, you know, when you, you're talking about a, a Noah fan or a Hawkinson, this young group that's kind of up and coming, you know, you can be okay there and still have, you know, pick stars at other positions like a chase, or perhaps you need a running back and want to get a, a feature back like a Najee uh, Harris. So, mm-hmm you know, that's it. You need, you know, generally you need two or three running backs. You need three or four wide receivers to fill out your lineup. You only need that one tight end. So, you know, that's, that's really the key here with Pitts. He's designated as a tight end, but at the same time, the guy's 20 years old with four, four wheels, insane receiving ability and arguably the best wide receiver prospect in this class. So um, it's just a balancing act when going through your draft. And uh, honestly, you could put these guys in a variety of orders, but at the end of the day, Pitts is nothing short of an elite fantasy prospect. Now, Mike, given that even the great tight ends in history, with very rare exceptions, have had pretty mediocre first seasons. It, it, do you wonder mm-hmm. if maybe you try and get fancy and try to maybe, you know, pass on Pitts in this spot and then make a play for him after his first season, where maybe you get an owner who sees him struggle and gets a little scared, or is it just that's not too fancy and you just go for it? And even if you have to wait a year for him to be a superstar, you're okay with that. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's been my advice on tight ends for years now, especially, you know, I I think most recently uh, Hawkinson and Fan were Mm -hmm. great examples of that. You know, don't don't necessarily draft them and certainly stay away from them in season long drafts. Remember, actually, TJ Hawkinson, his first game, he played that terrible. Yes. uh, Arizona defense had a huge game and people were all over him. And (laughs) he uh, he turned into a rookie after that, didn't he, Bill? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's it's so difficult for these guys, you know, more so than any other position. You, you get guys like Gronk, who, you know, Gronk wasn't Gronk necessarily as a rookie, but he was still a pretty impactful tight end. He still had 10 touchdowns, which obviously, you know, very impressive for any tight end, let alone a rookie tight end. But um, yeah, I mean, it sort of seems like that could be an opportunity, but maybe Pitts is just so transcendent of a tight end prospect. And the Falcons offense, maybe with Julio Jones leaving, has so many touches to go around that maybe he's just a star from day one. Yeah, and and I think he'll <clears throat> I think he'll play a pretty big role right away uh, because he was a you know the fourth overall pick in the draft and they need they need weapons right I mean yeah. you, you bring Arthur Smith in he loves the twelve personnel package so you're gonna have Ridley and probably Julio I think he'll stick right mm-hmm. uh, you know there's some chatter that he may be traded and if they get the right offer maybe they will but I mean at this point in the offseason trying to save cap doesn't make a lot of sense to me so yeah. uh, you know I think that you know if I was betting right now I would assume he's there. But he's either going to be third in line for targets behind those two or second if they do go ahead and trade Julio Jones. So he's going to play a pretty big role right away. Um, you know, by the way, to quantify something you said, uh, over since 2010, there's only been one top 10 fantasy tight end uh, as a rookie. That was Evan Ingram in mm-hmm. 2017. And he basically had to be because they had no one else. I remember that game in Denver where all of their wide receivers were injured. He was literally <laughs> their wide receiver for that game. It was that bad. Uh, so he was force fed, you know, 112 or so targets that 111 targets he had that season and led the position in, in routes. I mean, he was super busy. So that's what it took to, to get a top 10 fantasy yeah. tight end as a rookie. Gronk was next closest with 11 and there was only two others that were top 15. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's there may be something there. You know, you might have a point if he underwhelms even a little bit. You know, you can go into next offseason and try to make a, an aggressive deal for him and come away with with an absolute superstar. We've seen that uh, work out time and time again. So um, I'm, I'm OK with that strategy. I really am. Can we talk about the players who were uh, 
getting the ball for the Giants in that Broncos game, by the way. <laughs> so I have to look it up. I can't even remember. I so just... the receivers, I, I have it here. I, I okay. will tell you. The receivers, the starting wide receivers, the receivers who got the most targets in that game, Evan Ingram with seven, of course. Uh, then Roger Lewis and yep. Tavares King. And then the leading running back for the Giants in that game with 21 carries. Orlean Starqua. Wow. Who I, I I forgot existed. I will I will admit that I did not remember Orlean Starqua was an NFL player. You know, it's amazing to turn over in the NFL. You know, there's guys just a f- two, three years ago that, you know, you forget about. You know, they were just playing or just relevant in our minds two, three years ago. And they're just so far away now because the league turns over so quickly. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really unbelievable. I mean, every year you tweet about the guys who get cleared out of the, the fantasy football system. Yep. And yeah. it's always guys where I'm like, I had that person on my team two years ago. Now, granted, yeah. some of them were like guys who retired six years ago because some guys fall through the cracks, but usually it's like, okay, this guy was someone I picked up two years ago and I can't believe he's not actively in the league right now somewhere. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny you say that because that's kind of to my point in a different way, but you know, that's there. We clear out uh, what the last you had to have been on a roster played in the last two years mm-hmm. uh, or you're gone. So you say this guy slipped through the cracks from six years ago. That's actually not true. It just seems like that. Right. Because It's yeah. like it seems like so long ago because there's so many new faces and new names. Uh, and, and that's the reaction I get on social media too. people almost like, you know, the the. Uh, the, let's say the meaner people, you know, the, the ruder people are, you know, like, uh, you know, making a joke out of it. Like, I can't believe you still have player X, uh, you know, in, in the database, but mm-hmm. he was on a roster two years ago. You know, mm-hmm. like the, right. these guys were, were just in the league and it just doesn't seem like it because of the ridiculous turnover. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Um, so you're up at five. Who are you taking here with the fifth overall pick? Okay. So I, I think I teased this a little bit before when I was kind of deciphering between who I wanted to, or deciding, between who I wanted to go with as the uh, at three. And mm-hmm. uh, so I'm going to go Devonta Smith here. You know, mm-hmm. I took Waddle last time. I'll go, I'll go Smith this time. He goes to the Eagles, you know, as noted, he's going to be a full timer right away. We're going to get a mm-hmm. quick look at him. It'll be Smith. It'll be Jalen Rager is the one, two punch. Probably Dal- uh, Dallas Goddard will play a big role and we'll see if Zachert sticks around. It seems unlikely, but mm-hmm. I thought he'd be gone <laughs> for a yeah. while now and he's still on the roster. So um, we'll see. Look, I, uh, the knock on Smith is obvious at size. You know, he's 175 pounds. We'll see mm-hmm. if that costs him in the NFL. Um, but he does everything else well, and he seems to overcome his size uh, for sure. And he's six one too, right? So it's not like he's super short as well. He's just mm-hmm. tall and thin. Um, but he can do everything. He can separate. He has good speed. You know, he's quick. He catches everything. He's he's gonna line up all over the field. He doesn't drop the football. Six drops and 298 targets the past three years. So. He can handle a huge target share uh, and and just be a, a maybe a guy that catches a hundred balls, right? Like maybe a mm-hmm. Keenan Allen sort of role, maybe with more big bigger plays downfield. So um, I'm excited for him. I, you know, I grew up in the Philly area, so obviously this one's a little close to my heart. Growing up mm-hmm. uh, at the vet, and watching a lot of games, so hoping he pans out for a team that really needs help at the wide receiver position. But uh, I think it was a good pick by them, a nice move to just move a, a third round pick to jump up at two spots. Of course, they gained a one as part mm-hmm. of that deal as as well. Uh, trading with Miami, but uh, nice, nice maneuvering by Howie Roseman. Nice pick here. And uh, he fills a major need for this team. Yeah. And, and I mean, you know, Mike, I, I think about his size and I, you know, we saw him play in the sec, you know, we saw yeah. him play in the national championship playoffs. He was not just competitive. He was the best guy on the field. And 
you know, the NFL is a different level. It's true. But a lot of those guys, not a lot, but certainly a fair amount of those guys he was playing against on a retweet basis, not only similarly sized NFL players, but are going to be in the NFL. Um, if he had played at North Dakota State, I think there'd be fair questions maybe. Okay, you're not getting the caliber of athlete hitting him. But like to me, we've seen him already produce at the highest level possible and be the best player on the field in significant games. And, and to me, you know, I think there's always going to be more risk, but I certainly think it's worth it because there's a chance he is a absolute superstar at receiver and, and a guy who not only changes, not only plays well, but also just could turn around this franchise, you know, like, I mean, just mm-hmm. how, given how negative the feelings are around the Eagles right now, I, I just think there's a, sign- a a meaningful chance that he is the caliber of player and the sort of exciting style of player that just absolutely turns around this franchise. And I think that, you know, given that this is a team that sort of is in transition, that just had to trade away their their quarterback of the future in Carson Wentz because the organization and him had, had uh, the relationship had gotten so sour. I think it's a risk worth taking. Um, I think the upside is just so high with Devontae Smith. Yep, I, I agree. Um, at six, let me see here. Hmm. I think you have to go for one of the running backs. I think the running backs are just a little more valuable Agreed. than yep. the next tier of wide receivers in this class. But which running back is it? I, I'm going to go Travis Etienne. And I, I actually want to ask you, Mike, because I feel like you've had to evaluate this for years when it comes to coaches. We have seen Urban Meyer come out on draft night and say that they want to use Travis Etienne as a third down back in minicamp. They've had him get reps at wide receiver, significant reps at wide receiver, apparently, because Urban Meyer has said, okay, well, if he, the worst case is that he's a useful wide receiver, that's fine. Um, Do you buy all of this? Do you really think he's going to get a third down role? And do you think he can be valuable if that's his role for the first year or two of his Jaguars career? Well, I, first of all, I want to start by saying that I hate this comp I, because I, I think it's applied the wrong way sometimes when ter- in terms of what, how people process what mm-hmm. to expect from a player. But the Kamara Ingram comparison, right? We see hear it every year when, when teams put these, these backfields with two players together. But in terms of role, in terms of usage, not production, right? Because we're talking about the ceiling with Ingram mm-hmm. and Kamara that first year of Kamara's career. In terms of role... I think that's the plan here, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you you slot in Robinson in, into the Ingram role, and perhaps he leads the team by a slight margin in carries, or maybe a large margin in carries. Um, you know, they're talking about Carlos Hyde being mixed in. I don't think that'll last long. And then Etienne is in the Kamara role, and that, that can mean 130 to 140 carries and 60 catches. Kamara had 82, I think, his first three years in the league. I don't think he'll go that far again. We're talking usage, not production. Um, so that can work, you know, mm-hmm. it can work in fantasy. If he can, if he has, if Etienne catches 60 balls and has 130 carries this season, he'll be a top 20 fantasy running back in PPR. Right. And mm-hmm. that's pretty much what you're looking for at his current ADP. Now, in terms of dynasty, it's more about the prospect, right? It's a lot less about the short term term role. And the question becomes, is this guy uh, a guy that's going to be in a committee his whole career, or is it a guy that could be a feature back? And mm-hmm. I think it's the latter, right? I think he has the skill set. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but he can break tackles. He's mm-hmm. elusive. You know, I thought he was going to be my number one running back in last year's class 
mm-hmm. ahead of Clyde Edwards-Elair and Jonathan Taylor and those guys. But of course, he returned uh, to, to Clemson. That kind of mm-hmm. messed things up a little bit. But you know, now he comes back to the NFL at one year older. It's a slight knock on him. But again, the skill set is still there. So um, I'm a little nervous about the whole experiment down in Jacksonville right now with some of the decision making. I think when you <laughs> hit a home run on a James Robinson like they did last year it's not necessary to spend assets on a running back you know especially a team that has a lot of work to do at other positions including uh defense so uh you know i guess that's a discussion for another podcast but uh nonetheless it does make it a little bit complicated in fantasy but at the same time you know we're betting on etienne's ridiculous skill set here uh you know i just think the ceiling's so high so i like him i like this pick here i think he'll be fine in fantasy short term and i think he'll be great long term yeah i mean that really seems like his floor you know, the third down role, you know, I mean, yeah. I guess he could always bust and there's always that possibility, but it seems like the role that people are worried about him is just his floor. I mean, you have to figure that they really just did not use a first round pick on a guy to just be a third down back, just to be who'd be like Duke Johnson. Yeah. You know, I, I don't think they would have done that. And it seems like typically Maybe not typically. I don't, know. I don't know. Let me ask you what you think. When guys excel in that role, do they typically stay in that role or do they end up getting more opportunities on earlier downs? Uh, you know, we've seen different variations of it. Duke Johnson, perhaps this is last year was the exception when David Johnson got hurt, but he's a guy that's never been handed a, you know, a feature back role with mm-hmm. a ton of carries. Whereas Kenyon Drake was, you know, we right. saw that a change for him last season as he was a uses a heavy volume you know, mix in a little bit with the carries, but a heavy volume pass catcher. And then that changed last year in Arizona. He became the early down back and Chase Edmonds was a change of pace pass catching back. Uh, carry on Johnson. He excelled as a pass catcher as a rookie. Second year, they switch it up. They put him in a role as an early down back. He gets hurt pretty quickly. And, you know, the rest is history. He's kind of been phased out or was phased out in Detroit and of course uh, ended up on the Eagles. So uh, it, it kind of, it, it differs, you know, and I think it just depends on what the coach thinks to the player and the other personnel, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if, if it was Etienne and Duke Johnson on this roster, well then Etienne would probably get more carries and Duke Johnson would be more of a, a pass right. catching specialist, but that's not the situation. You have James Robinson who's a big back who can carry the load as a rusher. And Carlos Hyde is, is the same kind of thing. They're not bringing him in to catch the ball. They're bringing him in to carry the ball a few times and perhaps in short yardage. So, that sits up at the end uh, in, in a way where he can catch a lot of footballs. But, um, you know, again, long-term, I think he'll take on more and more. But worst-case scenario, like you said, worst-case scenario is it's the Alvin Kamara role. And even if he's not as good as Alvin, which he probably won't be, you know, the odds are he won't be, he can still be a, he can still be a big-time producer in fantasy. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Two things I would say about Travis Etienne that I'll let you pick seven. Um, number one, consider what the Jaguars are going to be doing for the next year or two. I mean, this is a team that has been pretty bad. Yep. You would figure that they're going to be catching up a fair amount in the second half of games. That's going to mean opportunities for Travis Etienne. And the other thing I would say, and I don't think this is a prediction or anything, but just this is a new, uh, new people are in charge of this organization. Uh, the guys who signed James Robinson as a undrafted free agent are no longer running things. So it's not out of the question that Urban Meyer just sees James Robinson as a, you know, kind of a anonymous guy, you know, the rest yeah. of what we've thought of him before this year. So, you know, it's not out of the question that James Robinson, even though he looks like he has the feature back role heading into the season, and I think he does as the first and second down back, that he's not that guy by the end of the season. So I think that, yeah. um, you know, Travis Etienne could certainly be uh, carve out a bigger role as the season goes on. 
Yeah, um, and, and to your point, really, really quick to wrap it up. I know we're taking forever on these first few picks, but I, you know, I I felt like that was the case at wide receiver too, right? You have DJ Chark and Lavishka Chanel, and there's talks about them getting Tony. They wanted Tony, and they signed Marvin Jones, and they mm-hmm. they're talking to Philip Dorsett and Jamal Agnew, who they signed. Like it's almost like they forgot they had a roster already. You know, <laughs> like Urban Meyer came in thinking it was a a clear depth chart, and he had to start over. So uh, I think he'll pretty quickly learn about the talents of, of those guys and uh, they'll play pretty significant roles. And that, that could perhaps take away Etienne's chances as lining up a wide receiver, right? You have a really good trio of wide receivers. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. Mm-hmm, for sure. So Mike, who do you have at seven? Yeah. So uh, seven is Javante Williams. Yep. You know, he's again, he's the youngest among these running backs. He's only 21 and a half years old. And, uh, you know, the volume there is low, right? We, we haven't seen a ton of him at North Carolina. Uh, just did not get a lot of reps there, but, you know, an elite tackle breaker, elite elusiveness, had the second best yards after carry mark and forced uh, missed tackle rates in this year's class over the past three seasons. He was top two in both categories last season. So uh, the youth and the skill set are outstanding. And you probably have one more year left of Melvin Gordon there uh, soaking up touches in Denver. Then it's the Williams show. Uh, he has good size as well. You know, 212 pounds, 510. I mean, the guy could be a feature back in the league and he is crazy good skill set. So uh, liking Williams here. Yeah. I mean, Gordon, not a great year last year. I know he had a, a, maybe a big run or two, but not a great season, still fumbling the football quite a bit. Um, the DUI off field. I don't think they're going to be able to avoid his guarantees, but um, you know, 4.9 yards per reception. I mean, just, he was not a, a effective part of the offense a year ago. So um, you know, even if, Melvin Gordon is still on the roster, and I think he will be. There's a good chance that I think Javante Williams has meaningful value this year, let alone in the years to come. Um, it's sad as someone who loves Mike Boone to see this happen. I was hoping to get <laughs> to see Mike Boone get an opportunity. Maybe yeah. he still does. Is maybe Boone and Williams uh, are the one-two punch in Denver after the season? But um, I think certainly a fit there. Certainly the opportunity, especially after this year. But I think even this year he could figure in. Um, at eight, this is tough. It's a question of do I go for the guy I love or do I go for the guy who I think might be the right pick? I I am going to take Trey Sermon. Wow. Okay. I think I think I think that's probably the wrong pick, but I think the upside is just so tantalizing. And I know that it's like it's almost like it's a sucker bet. Like I, I can almost feel it like I know I shouldn't do this, but this is a guy who the 49ers traded up for, if I'm not mistaken, in the third round at 88. Um, And I know two years ago, they traded up for Joe Williams. I believe it was the fourth round that year. They traded up from, uh, they traded 117 and 121 to move up to 88 and take this guy. And I mean, the upside of a running back in this system with Kyle Shanahan is just so tantalizing. I mean, it's, it's, it's league winning running back. And I... Maybe in a full PPR, I shouldn't quite go this high for him. I think that's totally fair. I'm waiting to finish talking and have you say all the reasons I'm wrong and I I can't fault you. But I think just this is a guy who the upside here is to me, top three, top four fantasy running back if things break right. And, you know, even looking at someone like a Javante Williams, who I think is a much has a much higher floor. I think his ceiling just isn't as high because he's not in that scheme and not with that style of offense. I think he can be, you know, even if he's Devante Freeman, that's an incredibly valuable player for a few years. 
Yeah, look, I hear you. Uh, I do like the landing spot for sure. I think it's a, a little bit early to go with the third round That's right fair. back, especially That's with fair. the the, his, the the history, uh, the hit rate of of uh, mid round uh, running backs. I know. In fact, if we're talking short term, if you look back at since 2010, so the 10 drafts prior to this year, mm-hmm. uh, only six running backs picked in the third round were top 30. Oh, <laughs> They're right. better than 30 in fantasy points. So you're probably not going to get uh, immediate RB2 or flex mm. impact. But if you were, if there was a situation where you were going to, perhaps it is San Francisco with Raheem Mostert's uh, constant durability woes. And, mm. you know, you have Jeff Wilson there was probably a little mm. underrated at this point. And, and honestly, might be the next man up if Mostert mm-hmm. goes down. In fact, he probably would be earlier in the season. But again, Sermon was a, a top five running back in this class. He goes in the third round to a Kyle Shannon offense. You, you know, you touched on all that. I like the situation. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, taking him over second round and first round wide receivers. That's mm-hmm. really the only thing. I mean, if you follow, if, if you do a rookie draft and basically just follow pedigree um, and, and adjust for position, positional importance, of course, a little bit, you're going to come out ahead, you know, yeah. and instead of reaching on, on, you know, guys picked in the fourth and fifth round, just because they landed in a good spot, like Amon Ross St. Brown, for example, mm-hmm. who's a hot name like that. Uh, you know, Michael Carter being another one. Uh, you're going to come out ahead by, by fading those sort of guys. So uh, it's a little bit of risky over, you know, considering the guys that you took them ahead of, but uh, you know, I understand the appeal. Mike, you're so nice. <laughs> it was like, I mean, like, you know, I, man, like, look, it, mm-hmm. if he, if he's the lead back in a Kyle Shannon offense, I mean, he might not see many targets. We know that, That's but fair. you know, yes. he might rush for six yards per carry and, <laughs> and score 10 touchdowns. So um, I, I hear you. I do. I do understand the appeal to Tracer. But I, I did, I know the right place to take one of these wide receivers or maybe a quarterback. So who, who are you going to take here at nine? Well, it's funny you ask because the guy I'm going to take is a guy who is not going in this spot. A guy that's underrated right now in rookie drafts. I've actually, I mentioned I'm doing two right now. I got him in both because he's falling. Uh, his ADP is 17th, but he is a first round wide receiver. He's one of two left. And most people are going to take the other first rounder, Rashad Bateman over him. But mm-hmm. uh, I have Kadarius Tony higher yeah. on my board. You know, I just, uh, I don't like, you know, we'll get to him in a second. I'm sure, but Bateman landed in Baltimore. I don't love that. Even if they throw more, you know, Lamar Jackson's going to scramble. He's going to run. He's going to steal touchdowns. I, I don't love the landing spot. So uh, I'll go with Kadarius Tony uh, with the Giants. Uh, you know, very interesting skill set. He's, you know, he's on the small side. He's pretty much used only in the short area, but he could catch the mm-hmm. football. He could do a lot of different things. So if he finds his way to a Debo Samuel sort of role or perhaps a Golden Tate role or something like that, uh, not to mention his playmaking ability on top of that, you know, he can have a long career as a playmaker in the NFL. And there, and there was a lot of hype for him. A lot of teams were trying to get their hands on him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the Giants, you know, felt fortunate to trade down or, or actually they got uh yeah, they, they, yeah, they traded down. Right. And then they yeah, ended up uh, instead of, or wait, I'm saying that wrong. They were probably going to take Devonta Smith. Right. Uh, and then uh, of course the Eagles traded up, jumped them, got him. And then they traded down and ended up with Tony. So I think they probably yes. found themselves, uh, fortunate to pull that off and uh yes. you know i like him so i think he's underrated right now yeah and i mean it's not out of the question totally if the giants would make another move at receiver um there's been some talk that maybe sterling Shepard's spot could be under question um that mm-hmm. could open up more opportunities for him i think certainly e- even if it doesn't happen this year could happen next year um, evan ingram is coming up to free agency not sure he's going to stick around given his injury history, given that he was drafted, I think, by the prior regime, if I'm not mistaken. So, um, you know, reps could open up there. Uh, And I think certainly, you know, um, I think it's a smart play. I think that that first-round pedigree is valuable. I think that 
there's a chance that the Giants get better quarterback play after this season if Daniel Jones does move on, and that could make Tony an even more appealing um, fantasy asset there for sure. Um, at 10, let me finish up the first round here, and then we'll go lightning round through the second round. I was I was thinking about Tony in the Trey Sermon spot. I think it would have been, like you said, the correct pick. Um, so I don't I can't fault you there. The question for me now is, do I go Bateman at 10 or do I go with one of the quarterbacks? I think I think I would go with Rashad Bateman at 10. I think maybe in a different system, whether it be no PPR or half one PPR, maybe I'd go for one of the quarterbacks. Maybe I'd even consider Rondell Moore, I guess. But I, I think Bateman is a, a solid play here. I, I Like you said, I know that the offense is going to be run heavy. I don't think that's going to change. Um, but I also think the Ravens are pretty smart. And I think that they, you know, um, they've made moves this season to add weapons on offense. I don't know that Bateman's going to have a great rookie season, given that Sammy Watkins is there on a one-year deal. You have Andrews, you have Brown competing for reps. But I do think that Lamar Jackson is a better quarterback, a better pure quarterback than people are giving him credit for. And I think that having an improved offensive line and having more weapons, I think the Ravens are, are going to throw the ball a little more frequently and throw the ball more effectively in 2021. And I think that um, they did whiff on Rashad Perriman a few years ago. It was more of a pure speed play. I think Bateman just, you know, he was a guy I was super excited about coming out of school. And I think that mm-hmm. um, the landing spot hurts but I still think he is in a position to be a valuable part of that offense for years to come. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think I contradicted myself a little bit before, cause I mentioned that landing spot hurt him here. And, you know, I, I think landing spot might be overrated, but mm-hmm. there are exceptions to that rule. And I think the Baltimore offense is shown to be one, right. And, mm-hmm. you know, all everything uh, in history suggested Marquise Brown was going to break out last season. You know, there was a lot of smart people saying, look, man, they look at the history here. Uh, Curtis Patrick, uh, you know, one of the finest fantasy analysts out there was one of them and wrote a long article about that. And I I said, look, I hear you, but man, this offense is going to limit him big time. And it's going to be really hard for him to see enough targets to pay this off. It's just the exception to the rule. It's, you know, to to just, uh, you know, slam this this one into the ground, this metaphor into the ground. You know, it's it's a unicorn situation. It really is. I hate (laughs) using the term, but it really is with Baltimore. And I'll tell you why. Look at this. Marquise Brown last year was used 25% target share, 38% air yard share. He scored eight touchdowns. Bill, he was wide receiver 36 in fantasy. I mean, yeah. you you bet you dream about usage like that for your fantasy receiver, and he's still underwhelmed. Now, Brown is still there. He's still only 23. I think he's a good player. Mark Andrews is there. Everyone loves J.K. Dobbins. You know, there's, there's a lot of mouths to feed in an offense that just doesn't have a lot of – uh, usage to go around. So mm-hmm. that's what bothers me about Bateman for the next couple of years. Uh, but I do like him as a prospect. Don't get me wrong. Maybe he'll be so good. It won't matter, you know, and he'll just dominate and get the ball in his hands and make plays and score touchdowns and, and it won't matter. But uh, that's the knock for me and puts pushes him down just a few spots behind guys like Tony and, and Rondale Moore and Terrace Marshall and Eli Moore. You know, there's just other names in the same vicinity that uh-huh. I like their situation better. That's fair. Totally fair. Um, so let's run through the 10 picks in the second round quick. Uh, we'll yep. do a lightning round here for these guys. Uh, I just picked maybe a 10, so Mike, you're up at 11. All right, I'll go uh, Rondale Moore from Purdue. He goes to uh, the Cardinals. So uh, like that like that spot with Kyler Murray. Yeah, I definitely need a deep threat there. I will go Trevor Lawrence at 12. I'll get the quarterbacks going. I um, think he's going to throw a bunch, a very effective runner as well. Wouldn't be shocked if we see him running the ball uh, in the red zone here and there for touchdowns. Um, great scrambler as well. So I think he's going to have value 
uh, on multiple fronts from day one as a quarterback in Jacksonville. Like it, like it. And adds that value with his legs. It's so important, especially in the short term. Um, uh, my pick here, I'm going to go to Carolina. Uh, Bill, there were two teams that had three top 25 fantasy wide receivers last year. One of them was the Panthers and mm-hmm. Curtis Samuel is gone. In comes Terrace Marshall Jr. from LSU. He'll, I think he'll slide right in as their primary slot uh, and, and that should pay off for him uh, right away. So uh, long-term like it, short-term like it, Marshall's my pick. Yeah, totally fair. Um, I'll go Elijah Moore here. Like it. Um, I you know last kind of wide receiver in this tier for me. Um, a guy who that Jets receiving core is wide open, man. I mean, you have Corey Davis is going to be your number one. And then you have maybe Jamison Crowder at two, depending on whether he's still on the roster, which I think is going to be in question. And then who knows? Keelan Cole is there. Uh, Denzel Mims, second rounder from last year is there. Elisha Moore is there. Um, I think Moore is going to have a meaningful role in this offense. Don't know what I think about Zach Wilson yet, but, um, this offense is going to take shots downfield. We know it's going to be the Shanahan, Arthur Smith. Uh, Kevin Stefanski, you know, play action, chuck it downfield offense. And I think Elisha Moore is going to get some of those catches. Yep. Uh, I'm with you there. Uh, let's see here. Next up, um, I'm going to go. Uh, this is where it kind of drops off, right? It gets a little yeah, tricky here for sure. Um, I'm going to be a little controversial here. I'll, I'll take a guy that's going several rounds later for some reason, but he was a second round pick, 2 2 Atwell, uh, only 21. You know, they have Deshaun Jackson there. They took Javan Jefferson. Last year, you have Robert Woods and Cooper Cup still atop the depth chart. But man, if that well earns that vertical role that we've seen uh, have so much success in Sean McVay's offense, look out. So uh, it's just a matter of time, of course, until Deshaun Jackson's not not in the mix there. So uh, mm-hmm. there's a reason they spent a second round pick on this kid. And I don't think it's just to be a, a returner and a guy and a you know guy that gets a, an occasional carry or something, right? I think yeah. it's uh, with the mind of being one of the top three in McVay's offense long term. So he's you can probably get him late in round two or in the third round, but uh, I like uh, Atwell. Yeah, given how Jackson's injuries have been in the past two, not out of the question that by week three, Atwell suddenly the primary deep threat for this attack. And we know they want to throw the ball downfield more frequently than they did the last couple of years with Jared Goff. Um, I'll go Trey Lance here. I'm going to go Trey Lance. I think we're at 11. We're at 16 now, I believe. Trey Lance, yep. I think just the upside here again, so astronomical in a Kyle Shannon offense. And again, he can run. He is going to be a threat as a runner. He is going to score rushing touchdowns. He's going to get scramble yards. He's going to be a impactful part of this offense. And Kyle Shanahan's track record is just great with, with good with average to good quarterbacks. So having someone with Trey Lance's upside, I mean, I don't think he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but I don't think that's out of the range of outcomes for him, uh, given his skill set and given uh, the coaching staff he's going to have to work with in San Francisco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely makes sense there. I like it. Uh, would have taken uh, Fields and probably Wilson ahead, but I have no Fair. no major issue with it. No major issue with it at all. Um, I'm going to go back to uh, positional importance on this one and and take Michael Carter. Yep. Uh, I'm not as high in him as as others because of the fourth round pedigree, but this is a guy that uh, has a ton of skill. I mean, especially as a pass catcher, that's so important in PPR league, and he has opportunity. He goes to a Jets offense that did not prioritize running back. If Tevin Coleman there. Michael P. Ryan and, and really Carter. So he could win this job right away and, and be an asset as a pass catcher. So uh, I'll go with him here. Yep. I think that makes sense. At 18, I'll take Fields. Um, there you go. I thought about one of the wide receivers here, but Fields, we know he's going to be a threat as a runner. And I know they say he's going to be a redshirt freshman. He's going to take the year off. I've heard that story before. <laughs> and I am not going to take that seriously. I think he's going to be in the lineup by week four. And I think he's going to be a maybe a better fantasy quarterback than a real life quarterback. And I think he's going to be a pretty good real life quarterback. 
Yeah, uh, uh, I agree with you. I like him a lot uh, and always fade that. Yeah, this guy's going to rest and, and learn from the veteran. I, I've tweeted about that several times. Uh, mm-hmm. The history speaks for itself. You know, everybody. Jordan Love is the only first round quarterback to not play a snap uh, <laughs> over the past decade. Uh, so that, that tells you all you need to know. Pretty much all of them play by the first month of the season. Pretty, yep. pretty unbelievable. Um, and I'll stick with that theme. I'll go Zach Wilson here from BYU. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably underrated in fantasy right now. Uh, everybody's attention's on the runners, Lance and Fields, the flashy names. But uh, Wilson is a terrific skill set and can run as well. So uh, don't forget about him uh, if you're looking for a franchise quarterback. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, certainly you don't want to count him out. Uh, last pick here at 20 then. This is tough. Mac it Jones is, is possible. Um, I'm a little concerned about Dwayne Eskridge just because of his age. Uh, at yes. 24, heading into school. Mari Rogers, I'm not sure if he has the athleticism. I know the opportunity might be there, but just not a great athlete coming out of school. I think I'm going to go with Deami Brown um, okay. as the final pick here where that offense, there are going to be some targets to go around. I know they added Curtis Samuel, but we know Fitz is going to chuck it up. We know Fitz is going to take shots downfield. Um, I know Terry, Terry F1 McLaren is going to be a target hog there maybe. Maybe get 160 targets, 170 targets now with the 17th game. I think that'd be great. But um, I do think that uh, Deami is going to have some deep opportunities. And I think a guy who you know could be a a real deep threat from day one in the NFL. So I'm excited about him being third or fourth wide out there and maybe growing as uh, his rookie contract goes on. Yep. I, I like it. He's right in that conversation. You know, you mentioned Eskridge, uh, super efficient at Western Michigan, but you're right. He's 24 and a half years old. That's important. Josh Palmer, Nico Collins in Houston. They'll have an immediate opportunity to Monty Rogers, uh, Anthony Schwartz and Amon Ross St. Brown, you know, and then, and then you get into the other tight ends, Friar Muth and, and Hunter Long would be next up. So, uh, that's pretty much your core for the first two rounds of, of 10 and 12 team rookie drafts. Yeah. I think you get kind of a drop off at around 14, 15 or so. Um, mm-hmm. But definitely a lot to ex- enjoy here. A lot of interesting prospects and I'm really happy we had you on to talk about them, Mike. But if people want to see more of your NFL coverage, more of your fantasy coverage, where can people do that? Yeah. Uh, of course, on Twitter at Mike Clay NFL, but uh, almost everything at ESPN.com, NFL, fantasy, ESPN plus. I mean, if you haven't signed up for plus, Yet, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, obviously, I'm biased, Bill, but, you know, it's such an incredible product for the other sports. I use it for my, you know, to follow the NHL and, and everything else. So uh, just a, a fantastic product. So a lot, lot there. And, uh, you know, it's always, it's always something. We're always working and always busy prepping for the next season. Awesome. Thanks so much, Mike. Yep. Take care, Bill. All right. As I mentioned at the beginning of the show, Mike Clay is the best. Super smart, super insightful. If you want to win your fantasy league, he should be the first person you're reading um, over the next three or four months heading into the NFL season. I would say in the first last month for the year, but get get started early. The next three or four months, Mike Clay is the person to read when it comes to breaking down the NFL for fantasy football purposes. One of the smartest guys covering the NFL today. So we'll be back next week. More NFL on the way. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the fantasy sort of detour this week. Uh, but lots of NFL stuff to discuss. Of course, gambling stuff is happening with win totals getting posted, uh, odds getting posted, lines going up, all kinds of things are happening with the NFL. So hope you guys are enjoying a quiet time of the NFL year. Hope you're enjoying the various playoffs going on, but we'll have more audio coming next week. Thanks so much for listening.